Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. I have a title for this word. It's called The Gracious, Timeless Love of God. And as I prayed about this, uh, I, I initially shared an idea with, with Steph, and she said, you ought to do that for a message, but it just grew. You know, that's what God does with me. And, and so I study and do my little research. But <clears throat> these three words hold significant importance in our relationships with each other, but huge significance with our relationship to our creator and what it is to live a, a life well in Christ. Grace is usually defined as undeserved favor. We know that God's done all these things for us, even though maybe mm, we fell a little short. He's, he's evening things out. Grace from God cannot be earned. It's something freely given. God's grace is the bridge he built for us through Jesus. You know, it was like... <clears throat> Even those of us who are really trying, I mean, we're, we're not perfect. We're going through a process. And God, being the loving God he is, was kind enough to help us with a bridge there. Otherwise, we'd be... <laughs> Grace is part of, definitely a part of God's character. He is a loving, gracious God. And God... In the foundation of the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, we do learn the role of grace in our salvation. So we go through seeing a God of mercy, like you pointed out, that he had mercy to save mankind when he wanted to destroy it. Um, and there's a lot of different aspects, especially in the Old Testament, where God kind of relents. Um, I read an interesting passage about does God change his mind? And there was this uh, pastor who did this. It was like 10 minutes. He said, God already knows what's going on from the end back to the beginning. Therefore, it might seem that he changes his mind about destroying the earth or something. But he kind of already knew how things were going to throw down. And he said, instead, I think God is just so pleased that he was able to keep things around. So he doesn't really change his mind. He doesn't rethink things while he goes because it's his plan. It's all his plan. I think that's a beautiful idea. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. That's Isaiah 30, 18. And that, I think that verse has a lot of majesty. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to make the word stick today, so I'm going to be myself. I know. <laughs> it, it's okay. It's okay. But I want to talk about 
grace and graciousness. I have, you know, we think about God sometimes and we, we think about what's our vision of God. What's our vision of what he looks like? If we were walking along, you know, having a chat, what do we think? I mean, is he just giant or whatever? Anyway, as a child of about seven, I think I learned about graciousness and it was on a family trip and we used to do this trip every other year, but it was to uh, North Statesville, North Carolina. And now see, I'm gonna really make it stick because I do like accents. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I pulled up with, in the family wagon, I think we drove there or whatever, but I'm looking at this palatial house with pillars and, and everything around it. And this is actually my dad's uncle and aunt. And interestingly enough, he had convalesced there after he got back from the war. I think he sort of had a breakdown. And they were gracious enough to have him live there for a year and a half. Um, he described them to me as gracious people. And I just think there's nothing more gracious than Southern hospitality. It's not that we're ungracious here in the North but they just have this certain style, this ease that sometimes we lack in the North. Now, my Uncle Bill, my great Uncle Bill, he was an incredible guy, a VP for Southern Furniture, I think it was called, and he furnished my parents' first house as a wedding gift. But he'd take me for walks on these, these grounds were incredible, he'd sculpted, bushes and fountains and, and these things, um, you know, these ponds, man-made ponds stocked with koi fish and, and all these beautiful things. And I was thinking, you know, at seven, I'm like, wow. At seven, I was like, it felt like I was walking through gardens in heaven because it was so beautiful. And he was so very gracious. He used to joke with me. His last name was Brett. And he said... You know, he called me Brett anyway. He couldn't remember my name was Brent. But he goes, you know, if you lived here and we, you, you were more like my grandson, you'd be Brett Brett. You know, that's one of those, that's one of those weird senses of humor that people develop. Because I think at that time he had to be 75 at least. And um, so he took me on these walks. There was two tennis courts. Um, both red clay, and for an example of graciousness, which I think makes me think of heaven, they had tennis competitions or parties. When my dad lived with them, they'd invite people. On Thursday, they'd come, and they'd all play tennis all the way through to Monday until you know they had an eventual victor. So lots of food, lots of athletics, lots of that kind of thing. But graciousness, when I really comes down to it, my Aunt Marion. Now this woman was lovely. You know, lovely is a word that I, I, I think I was discussing with you that I heard it a lot in Canada too. 
And then down south, they say lovely for a lot of things. Up, up in Michigan, you don't hear it that often to describe like this is a lovely time or this is a lovely home. But, and I thought it was feminine when I was younger. I thought, I can't use, now it's crept into my vocabulary. But I think, I think God's pretty lovely. I think he's a very lovely God. And she just had grace, the epitome of grace. She was probably mid-70s then, too. Her hair was still long, but she put it up during the day, and she'd go about all her tasks, and she'd be like, Brant, you want to come along? I mean, I followed this woman everywhere. I was stuck to her like glue. I was her shadow. And they had cooks. They, they had maids. I was introduced to the gardener and all this stuff, and yet... She was so gracious with everybody, you'd think they were best friends, not employer-employee. There's just something that's very gracious, number one, about the South, but watching a person, and this is really my point, a person who is authentic. I do not believe that a person can be gracious unless it comes from here. You can't reach in your closet, pull out a suit, pull out your best outfit, put it on and say, oh, no, I'm gracious. No, you, you could wear holy jeans, be filthy from head to foot, and you, your graciousness will still come through. It's very authentic. We have a very authentically gracious God. I mean, something that's so incredible, we just have to stop and go, wow. Grace. Now, I'd just like to mention because uh, there's another there's there's another example of Northern Grace, and someone who is gracious. And I I have to mention it because in the book I gave Stephanie this different name, and it means the graciousness of God. And I have to say that she has the authenticity to be gracious. She doesn't have to put it on. She just is. I think that people like this that we know, I'm not going to say it's rare, but I think it's, it's something you take away with you. You can just go, like, you know, after you have a long prayer and you feel like God's answered your prayers and you feel his grace, you feel the graciousness of worshiping with God and, and you, you walk away just feeling like, wow, nothing, you know, it wasn't, Lightning didn't go off or thunderstorms didn't start or the house didn't crash in or anything, but you feel like you've been graced. You just feel different. And people who are gracious, are as authentic as they are, they make a tremendous difference to everyone. I mean, that's all there is to it. You feel the grace when you're with them, you know the grace, you walk away with grace. I put in another scripture here, and I'm not sure why, but I'll read it anyway. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who became the father, full of grace. That's why, and truth. 
Can I get an amen on that one? That's a beautiful verse, isn't it? <clears throat> now, gracious, timeless. I did really map this out, but that's all right. Because <clears throat> I got this pretty picture on there, right? <clears throat> anyway, we've been through graciousness. And now we need, get to talk about timelessness. What it is, what's time? Time is uh, something I could spend a couple weeks talking to you about because I love quantum physics. And we can get really into some interesting, uh, interesting uh, areas in physics, and I will just do it briefly. But time and love, which is next, these, these are two words that humanity is obsessed with. Every, every writer, every pop song, every uh, piece of literature, um, quotations, poetry, time and love are the two most written about words ever. The Bible mentions time about 647 times, and it's almost the same for love. And then they go on with references you know, references like love, kindness, generosity, and all these things, it's almost 900 times in the Bible. And pretty much the same with time, where it's referenced, like, you know, talking about somebody aging or something. So I think that's kind of the proof that humanity is obsessed with these two words. As a physicist would say, um, God is a system that is unchanging, therefore he's timeless. God's time is not our time. His time is incredibly different because really, as uh, quantum physics have uh, wrought to explain, especially the minutia of the universe is through math and experience and profoundly prove the existence of a timeless creator in other words, these experiments that go on that are talking about trying to figure out time, all they're doing is just going back and saying, look, this couldn't, we couldn't exist in any time if something hadn't started where we're at. So we see proof by guys who really didn't set out to prove there was a creator. They're doing it. And I think it's magnificent that these guys who are atheists basically are starting to come to God because they, they can't refute it. Our God knows the end, as I said, and the beginning as he spoke into existence the beginning. His vision covers everything in between. So even if we think he changes his mind sometimes, he's already had the plan. It's already been there for us. And he's got us covered. Now, we live in four dimensions, and time is the fourth dimension. Time can be timeless. Time can be short. Time can be exasperating. Time can be ever impending. Time can go slowly. Time can go quickly. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, how often we say this word every day and how often we experience it. Um, time is not experienced by God the same way it is us. 
we're constantly measuring time, we're constantly doing things, but God's time is a spiritual time. In other words, his time doesn't revolve around any physics, which is interesting that they're proving all these things that can only be done with mathematics that otherwise prove that there's something out there that we don't understand that's keeping everything together, like strings are holding up the world, these tiny little things they can't even identify, only through math, and yet this is keeping the whole world going. What, how could that be done other than by a timeless God to hold it all together this way? Like we live on these big platforms of them and everything's vibrating. So I kind of include this, this before and some other things, but the spirit realm, and once again, like I said, uh, God is not limited by any physical laws. Psalms 90 uh, verse 4 uses a profound analogy to describe the timelessness of God. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that it's just gone by or like watch in the night. God measures a minute or a second by a thousand years and maybe more. Now there's also a phrase that I thought I'd throw in here real briefly and it's, uh, it's time flies when you're having fun. I know you guys, you're having a blast. <laughs> That's all right. I, uh, I won't go on. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just make sure time's flying because you're just enjoying it so much. God works on us in his time. We have our own timetable, and it can become terribly frustrating. The church that we're working on, gee, I wish God, without the laws of physics, would just send a couple of angels, right, and we'd be done. But such is not the case. So when we talk about timetables, this can be hard on us when we're trying to be good Christians because we realize we're imperfect. Some of us more than others, but <laughs> we are imperfect. And, and it gets frustrating. And we, we take our sin or the thing that we're not living up to or, or things we aren't doing for God and and we say, God, I'm frustrated. I don't like to be this way. I don't want to hurt you. What, why does this happen over and over and over? And I can't seem to control it. You know, or you go on for a while. It's like, you know, the addict or, or the alcoholic or something to make a comparison that goes, they're fine. Then suddenly something snaps. They have a drink. Back. Back again. Well, to give us hope... <laughs> Let me talk about my buddy Peter, who I pick on quite often now, but he's proof, as we read about him, that God has his own timetable, not just the universe, but he has his own timetable for each of us. If God set out, for instance, with Peter or myself, to take care of all our sins at once, we'd be overwhelmed. We couldn't, we couldn't handle it. So he walks us through like a mentoring process, a step at a time. Peter 
had a lot of issues. If you watch, if you watch The Chosen, you think, how did this guy become the rock of the church? <laughs> I mean, this guy's pathetic. But God worked on him a little at a time. He, first he took away his self-assurance and replaced it with faith. Then he worked on his swaggering profanity <laughs> and changed it into beautiful words of, of love for Christian people for good sermons of encouragement. Then he took away his cowardice. As we witness, he was afraid and denied Jesus three times. And he wept. But God made him bold. So it's like we're walking through stuff and we're going, why can't I get rid of this guy? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And then, you know, you come into a place I, I, I believe this because I've seen it in my own life where all of a sudden, you know, I, I could have had a B8. But, you know, it's just why I don't have this issue anymore. And now I know from my personal experience as a musician playing out on the road for a long, long time, F-bombs were every other phrase. I mean, we every descriptor, everything, you know, we used it for description. We used it for to, to say how bad something was or this is effing terrible or this is effing good or this, you know, we use it all the time. I think I was still sort of using it when I got here, but I'd really watch it. And now it's pretty much, I mean, every now and then, but I don't really say the whole word. Like I just say friggin' or something. <laughs> so let's be encouraged because our timetable isn't God's timetable. And if Peter can come, become the rock of the church when he had all these issues, well, if Peter can do it, <laughs> we can do it. Now, talking about time and timelessness, um, well, time can be relative. And with God not working along the laws of physics, I think it's really interesting to think that right now, maybe, Maybe he's walking right here with me, going, don't trip, don't use the F-bomb, don't, you know, I mean, he's, he's a good God, and he's around us all the time, just like everything around us is vibrating, we don't think of it consciously, but all this stuff is working for us. Grace can also mean favor. So this favor is operating around us at all times. Now, if you really want to serve the Lord, and hopefully we do, there can be times when you feel like I've, I've been worshiping, I've been praying, I've been doing everything that I'm supposed to do, and I just don't feel like I've really, I'm really, maybe not worthy, but I don't think like I'm doing as much as I should be for you, Lord. Uh, there is no time limit for us. There's no expiration date as we look at Moses, he was a senior citizen and he got called in to be the general. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a, an interesting story is, a, a, you know, a guy's on his knees, he's praying. I forget there's nobody over here anymore. So I might as well stand here. <laughs> um, he's praying, he's on his knees and he's going, God, I'm 90 years old. You know, my health is good and stuff, but nothing's really happened. And then in prayer, God 
God taps him on the shoulder and he says, look, I want you to go out to your favorite park bench because I know you go for a walk every day and I want you to sit next to the person you find there and just start talking to him. So he goes out and he sits down and this person just suddenly opens up, tells him everything. And he listens, this is important for all of us, which I think we do pretty well most of the time. He listened without judgment. He just let the guy pour his heart out. And then he encouraged him because so many people go through their lives without encouragement. This is something we can do in our time because God encourages us through this community and encourages us through many other things. It's kind of like we're commissioned to go out for God. Anyway, so he has this conversation and he finds out in the next couple of years, this person had gone and shared that knowledge with somebody else. And then a whole community was suddenly going to church and looking for Jesus. And things just went, took off. Just took off because at 90 years old, he sat down, he was obedient. He talked to one person about Jesus. God made us powerful. We never sometimes know the impact, but if we're working with love, we're, we're listening, we're using the heart of Jesus, our impact can be exponential. One person to five person to 10 people to 1,000 to 2,000. Hmm? Same with provision, right? $1. $1 can go a long way. So... Let's be encouraged on that, because it can be hard. Build, doing this church, it's hard. I, I mean, whacking away with a sledgehammer or hauling stuff out and everything, we don't have as much of that to do now, but it does seem daunting. Talk about, will it ever end? <laughs> Looking at time on our timeline. And yet, in communitas, how, how we are together, going through time now together, supporting one another, giving each other hope, um, loving one another, watching each other grow, we're going through our process. We're going through an ordeal and a trial together. Uh, God sort of planned it, so we ought to just cheer up. And, and things are going to happen. God, God's got so many great things in mind for us that we can't even imagine. It's, you know, I mean, come on. We had a blast with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a couple. I got injury prone. And <laughs> but that's okay. I, I kept coming. And Stephanie bought me, like, shin guards or something. It was... <laughs> See, we can laugh too. <clears throat> so anyway, I think we've we've pretty much covered gracious and timeless. Uh, just for the ladies, I would like to mention one thing about being timeless. The greatest compliment I think I think a woman especially could could uh, get is, for instance, you know, I'm writing all this stuff. I saw her across the room. Although I knew she was past 60 years old, 
her beauty exhibited kind of a timeless quality. Let's all be timeless. God's working on us. We're going to do it. I mean, we got to look good at least 100. <laughs> you know, if we got to go to 120. Lastly, love is the last part of it. And love is so important in so many different ways. Um, love in our current culture Love can be, especially if you're bitter, it can be a four-letter word. But we have Jesus. We have. Hey, I'm just being honest here. <clears throat> and, you know, we look around at Hamas invading Israel, and we look at what goes on uh, with Russia and what trying to take over the world, but they really aren't as powerful as they used to be. It's pretty obvious in the Ukraine, but all these now eruptions everywhere, uh, there's no peace. And the actual example or something that exemplifies like authentic loving for each other sometimes doesn't seem to exist. You know, you, you, all you hear is hate, 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 hate. To give unconditional love should be part of our purpose. I think, does anyone see an opportunity here? We have each other that we're all growing together in Communitas, we're going from liminality, we're, we're growing, we go through trial, ordeal, trial, ordeal, then we move up trial, ordeal, and we, we're moving, we're moving up. And the thing of it is, our community, we encourage each other, we love each other, we give to each other, we help each other grow, for instance, my computer skills aren't always that great. But, you know, I have somebody, uh, you know, that's available generally. Probably I'll pick on stuff. But, you know, I have picked on Matt before. <laughs> uh, yeah, you blew me off, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, there's so many different ways we help each other that we don't even realize. Because we're family and we've been doing it a long time. So we're, we kind of have, what am I trying to say? We have a commission. God's rearing us up with all this education, all this love, all this family atmosphere, everything that we do together. And, you know, what, what else are we going to do with it other than share it? Because the world needs some love, right? If it needs one thing right now, it's love. Uh, <laughs> so it wouldn't be nice. You know, I was thinking... Um, for time and love, I was thinking, um, time goes by so slowly, time can do so much, are you still mine? And then the same song, he goes, I need your love. See what I mean? You can, there's a million pop songs that have time and love in them. So we can take time to listen to people. That's a one way we can show love and use our time wisely. Proverbs does tell us you don't have forever down here, so you better use your time wisely. Because <laughs> if you're working with Stephanie Butler, there are so many projects 
<laughs> you're only going to have, you know, this much time on that one, this much time on that one, and you might have to double task, which I'm not very good at, but, <laughs> you know, you might have to do two or three at once. But anyway, we have to take time for that, and we have to take time to deal with people without judgment. We have a God whose love is eternal, unconditional, gentle, faithful, merciful, compassionate, unfathomable, forgiving, full of grace, and is always with us even when we're in pain, even when we're suffering. If there's one group of people that serve as an example, it's this one. Because our trials have been relentless, emotionally draining, traumatic, anything you want to name. We've all gone through it. I, I, well, we've gone through it together, but it's not easy. It's not easy at all. But even when suffering, we know God's been here. You know why that statement is so important? Is because we know God is with us through maybe the comfort or words or encouragement from somebody that we know, that we come to church and, and we're with. That's God speaking to us. So important. I'm almost done. Unconditional love. Sincerely, like the kind of love Jesus gave people, which he was very kind, but he was also very discerning and could be tough when he had to be. And I love that example, but generally he was unconditionally loving to everyone, no matter race, you know, anything. Unconditional love is not easy. We all know that. And I'm reminded, I've used John Voight many, many times, but this image of this actor who have, has everything or who has everything or who had everything on his knees weeping, drunk. He said I was drunk. And his whole life has fallen apart. And he said, God, why does this have to be so difficult? And he said, God answered me. He said, it's supposed to be difficult. As you go from glory to glory, you're going to encounter all this crap. If you're not in me, you probably won't make it through. These little obstacles, maybe a test or something else, but like we've been talking, as we go through our trials, all of a sudden, it's almost like our spiritual confidence grows and our ability to love others unconditionally grows. Because we have to say, I've been there. I know. I know this. Difficult, hard to handle thing. Anyway, giving unconditional love, going out to the world, people can be really rough. And it's probably the hardest thing we'll ever do, but God's been preparing us for it. We have a gracious, timeless, loving God who loves us so much, he would do anything to bridge a gap between us and him. 
In fact, he did. He sent his son. Who died? He was a sacrificial lamb so that we could know eternal life and be forgiven and know grace, timeless grace, timeless love with forgiveness and eternal life. Can I get an amen? All right, hoo-hoo. For, <laughs> for activation, I was thinking maybe we could just, uh, you know, if you want to put on some music, maybe just meditate a little on uh, God's timelessness, love, and graciousness. Um, even if you're thinking about a person that you know that was really gracious to you when you needed somebody to be gracious or somebody to listen to you when you need, or how you can project more of God's love to others. Because after all, we're going to Africa. We really got to project. Love you. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.